Well, a lot of things are going on at Grandview Baptist Church and a lot of things in the future as well. And with that very thought, I want to talk to you all. I don't know if I'll ever be back, but I do want to share something with you this morning that I pray will be a real help in the coming weeks and months here at Grandview. Now, I'll tell you something. Portland's going through a lot of things. The last two, three years in Portland, Oregon, it's been tough. And I want to share this with you. This church is needed in this area. Not because of who you are, but because of who your Savior is and you represent. And I want to tell you, Grandview Baptist Church is one of the great jewels and one of the great prizes and one of the great crowns of the state of Oregon. Now, you're not going to get that by politicians in this state. You're not going to hear that from most people that live around Portland and know anything about this church. But you need to be absolutely convinced that the gospel that we declare is what this area needs. We are the salt. We are the light of this area. Church, don't you listen to what the world may say. You listen to the heavenly commission that you've been given by God. And this church is extremely important at this time. Therefore, how does this church take its next step? For in the next months, Lord willing, now we would love to hear the trumpet and we'd be all in heaven and out of this place. But Lord, if the Lord remain, if we remain and the Lord doesn't come back immediately, then let me tell you something. Your transition to the next step is very important. And I'll tell you what I think you need. Matter of fact, the title of my message is What Grandview Baptist Needs. What Grandview Baptist Needs. I want to give you an illustration. Hold on to this illustration for a minute because when I get to the end, you'll say, oh, I got you. So I was born and raised in a Catholic home. Basically, I was born and raised, be good, do good, look good. And at the end of your life, if your good outweighs your bad, you'll get to go to heaven. Well, I realized by age 12, that wasn't going real well. And I knew that I needed a Savior. And I'm thankful that through an independent Baptist church, I heard the gospel for the very first time. And I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior at age 12. My mother also got saved very close. Actually, she got saved about a month before I did. My two sibling uh, sisters also trusted the Lord. My brother was already out of the home, so he wasn't living. He gets saved years later. My mom and dad, though, had a terrible marriage. There's one word that would describe the home I was brought up in. That word would be conflict. There was emotional and verbal abuse constantly. I never saw my mom and dad hold hands. I never saw them kiss. I never saw them speak together uh, with each other in any way of a peaceable manner whatsoever. There was conflict constantly in our home. When I was 14 years of age, mom and dad got a divorce. And that's back in the early 70s, and there was a lot of stigma to divorce. I was thankful. I loved my mom, I loved my dad, but I just hated it when they were together. There was so much conflict. So I knew that when I went to Bible college... And God began to work on my life, and I knew that I wanted to marry a godly woman, and God brought one into my life, an MK, a missionary kid. Her mom and dad had been missionaries to the Jewish people now for over 60 years and lived in Israel on a kibbutz for over 40 years, witnessing for the Yeshua HaMashiach. Well, they have a great marriage, and they have a great family. And I knew, like, whoa. I don't know how to be a husband because I never saw an example of a godly husband. And I don't know how to be a father because I never had a father, really, in any way, shape, or form. Now, by the way, I want to tell you, I got to lead my dad to the Lord 25 years after I got saved. My mom and dad restored their marriage, and they were both in the church that I pastored in Florida. And they're both in heaven today. And it's really a great story. 
But I got to tell you, growing up, I had no example. I had no model to follow. So I knew that I had to ask some people. And I would see different families. I would see different couples. And I'd go like, man, you know, they got a good marriage. What's their secret recipe? Man, they got good kids. There's a good product coming out of that home. Hey, mom and dad, how'd you do that with your kids? Your kids got a great attitude. How'd you? And I would ask all the time. I do not believe that I'm embellishing the story or exaggerating by saying I asked at least 200 couples this question. So what's your secret formula? Why why do you guys got such a good marriage? How do you get kids like that? And they would give me a lot of answers. I mean, they would say, you know, well, we had a date night every week or, or we always resolved our problems. We learned how to communicate. They'd always give me a little tip or something, a little, little add to the, the, to the secret recipe, so to speak, I guess. But I will tell you the majority of them, almost all of them, would end by saying this. You know, Jim, if we have a good marriage, just to be honest with you, Jim, I don't think it's anything we did. I think it was the grace of God. Amen. I think it was God's grace. Hey, you know, Jim, if, if, our, if our children go on to live for God, if, if you think we've got good children, can I tell you, I don't think it's so much the way we discipline them as much as, just to be honest with you, it was the grace of God. It wasn't anything that we did. It was the grace of God. God did it. Now, I want to tell you something, Grandview Baptist. For 38 years, whatever it is, for 30-some years, God has blessed this church and God has blessed this ministry. And I will tell you, I don't know him as well as you do, but I know him good enough to know that if Pastor Mutzler comes up here right now, he says this, I'm going to tell you something. If anything has happened for God's glory out of this church, it's because it's the grace of God. And I want to tell you, church, your future is not dependent on the next under shepherd. Uh-uh. Your future is not dependent on whether or not you get a gymnasium built back there. Your future is based on one thing, whether or not God's grace will continue to rest on Grandview Baptist. There is no greater need that this church has than the grace of God to fall on this church. It is not by your music program or your Christian school. It is by the grace of God. So therefore, I want to answer three questions today. I want to answer, I think, three of the most important questions because we're talking about the most important element. I want to answer, what is God's grace? How do you get God's grace? And why? Does God give his grace? Would you take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12? 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. I do want to thank Pastor Mutchler for the privilege to stand behind his pulpit. I have thoroughly enjoyed getting to know Pastor Justin, and I do believe God's hands on him. I will also tell you, I praise God for Cameron, for TJ, God has blessed this place with a great staff, the vessels. I mean, there is a really good spirit here, and you ought to be thankful for that. You ought to be thankful for what done. By the way, to God be the glory, and it is by his, come on, help me out, it is by his grace that it's all happened, and that God has brought you the staff that he's given to you. But let's answer three questions today. I'm going to read verses 7 through 10. We're going to have a word of prayer, and we're going to answer, what is God's grace? Uh, A young lady uh, yesterday in the the young adult conference, we had a QA and a at the very end, and I don't know if she's from this church or not. I don't don't know. She may be in here right now. I don't know. But she asked a question about what what is grace? And how would you define grace? And that just got me thinking. I don't think I gave her a great answer. And uh, it got me thinking. And I was just um, just hiking around yesterday afternoon around uh, 
Uh, there's a great trail behind the Holiday Inn Express in Gladstone, just beautiful trail. And uh, just, just back there, and the Lord just gave me some things that I wanted to share with your church. And I'm kind of glad that your under-shepherd is gone this week. It gives me a chance to maybe say some things that I think that it would be difficult for Brother Mutchler to say, but maybe that could be a help and an encouragement to you, especially in the transition. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, let me begin at verse number 7. Paul is speaking. Uh, he's writing his second epistle, his second letter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the church at Corinth. And by the way, I'm sure glad we got a second Corinthians because I'm glad the way the church of Corinth handled everything that they were told in first Corinthians. And you know, this is really interesting. I mean, Paul writes this letter to the church of Corinth. They messed up everything. I mean, they, they did. First of all, they were all divided. You know, I'm after Apollos. I'm after Paul. Well, I'm after Jesus. Okay, in other words, they were just all full of pride. They didn't handle the gifts right. They didn't handle the Lord's Supper right. They messed up on the resurrection. How do you mess up the resurrection, okay? They messed up the resurrection. They messed up gifts. They're all living for themselves. They're all divided. And Paul scathed. I mean, he just writes a scathing leather letter. They got fornication. They got incest going on inside the church and they're not dealing with it. I mean, it was just a mess. So he writes 1 Corinthians and he lays into them. And you know what? They handled it. They received it. And they had godly sorrow that produced repentance and they got it right. So he gets to write 2 Corinthians and go, way to go, guys. You guys handled the correction right, and you guys did what was right, and now I want to commend you for that. It's one of the most intimate, most joyful, it's one of the, just a beautiful letter uh, that, that he writes to Second uh, that he writes. And then he gets very personal uh, and throughout the whole epistle, but we come to Second Corinthians chapter 12, and we'll pick it up in verse number 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations. I mean, I have been given incredible privilege and opportunity. By the way, so have you uh, Americans in Oregon at Grandview Baptist. Let me just tell you right now, you have been blessed above measure. The abundance of the revelation. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh. By the way, I looked up the Greek there. You know what that is in Greek? Coved. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> Hasn't that been a thorn in the flesh? Okay, but keep moving on. Was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan. Wow. The messenger of Satan to buffet me. I looked up the word buffet. It means to take, make a fist and actually punch somebody's face repeatedly. It's the same word that what happened with Christ on the night of his scourging before the crucifixion. The messenger of Satan to hit me in the face over and over again, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing, I besought the Lord thrice. Who wouldn't? Lord, would you take away the thorn in the flesh? God, would you take this away? This is hindering me. God, would you, would you re re relieve me of this? Would you give me some comfort? This thing I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is, hey, everyone together, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. That's crazy, Paul. No, 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 no. I'd rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure. I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. Hey, you know why? For when I am weak, then am I everyone together. Father, we do not know what the future holds. We do not know how much time we have. 
I believe any of us that have been saved very long and have seen what has happened in our land, in our world, we know we could hear the trumpet this afternoon and be taken out of here. And we would pray for that, Father. But Father, if we are to be occupied and we are to remain, may Grandview Baptist Church in this incredibly strategic location in our country be the light, the salt that it ought to be. And Father, my greatest prayer for this church is that the grace that this church has been bestowed, that the grace that you have given this place would continue in the days ahead. Father, may we understand what grace is. May we apply how to get it to our lives. And may we leave here understanding why you even give mankind your grace. God, be with us now as we study the scriptures. I pray this in Jesus' name. And God's people said, number one, what is God's grace? Well, that was the question the young lady asked yesterday in the Q&A time. And I gave an, you know, God's riches at Christ's expense. And by the way, that's not a bad definition. But I knew it needed to be expanded onto that. So this isn't so much a definition as a description. But could I give you three words in understanding the grace of God that may help you the rest of your life? Number one, it is. One thing about the grace of God. It is sufficient. It is sufficient. It will always be enough. It will always be exactly what you need. I wrote a few things down with this. It is sufficient for our need. It is sufficient for our want. It is sufficient for our inability. It is unmerited. It is undeserved. And it is to the recipient, we are unworthy to receive it. God's grace never runs out. God's grace never runs low. God's grace never runs down. And God's grace never runs dry. It is always sufficient. It is always perfect. It is always precise. It is always prompt. And it is always plenty. One thing about the grace of God, it is always sufficient. It will be enough for whatever you're going through, for whatever will happen. I don't know the future of Grandview Baptist Church, but I do know this. Whatever this church goes through, God's grace will be sufficient to help you through that. It won't matter what happens. You may go through more financial. You may have another panda. You don't know what's going to happen in Oregon. But I'll tell you this. One thing I know, that no matter what occurs in this part of the country... God's grace will be sufficient for you in your marriage, your home, your life. I don't know what's going to happen the rest of the year in your life. I don't know what's going to happen financially, but I know this. God's grace is sufficient. Number two, not only is it sufficient, but it's strong. God's grace is strong. Look with me again at verse number nine. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my, everyone together, what's the next word? Strength is made perfect in weakness. Not only is God's grace sufficient, God's grace is strong. Now, if I had to give a definition of grace, this would be my definition. Here it goes. God's ability given for our good. Now hear that again. What is the grace of God? The grace of God is God's ability given for our good. There's something that we cannot do. Number one, we cannot save ourselves. That's why the Bible says, for by grace are ye saved. Through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Hey, 
If you have, I, you know what, I, I tried my hardest to get saved. I, I, I've lived a good life and, and, I, and, I, and I've been baptized and, and, and I go to church and, and I give to the poor and I try to be honest and I try my heart. Your ability cannot get you to heaven. you got to have the grace of God. You cannot do it. So what is grace? It's that ability. Brother Shetler, I have struggled in my mind over the years with lust. I have fought, I have done everything that I could to overcome lust, and I am not able to overcome my flesh in lustful areas. Yeah, can't do it. You know what you need? You need the grace of God. I have struggled with anger all of my life. Brother Scheller, I'm a worrier. I worry, I get depressed, I go down, and I have tried to fight it. I've used medications, but I don't have the ability. No, you don't. But God's grace is strong. And God's grace is able to do that which you cannot do. Matter of fact, I actually believe that God puts us in situations to make us unable, unable, so that God's grace can show you he is able. That's what he goes through. That's what he has us go through in areas of life. Years ago when my boys were young, there is a difference of nine years between my oldest boy and my youngest boy. All three of my sons are in ministry today, and, and uh, we've just enjoyed our boys all the way through. Matter of fact, my oldest son, Ben, he's an apologist. He's spoken here before, I think several years ago. Uh, Brother Mutchler had Ben come in to, to speak on a, a apologetic things and, and, and whatever. But when uh, Ben was about 15, my middle son, Luke, was 12. And my youngest son, Drew, was six. And we had, you know, we had a trampoline in the backyard, and we had a little basketball court, and we had a swimming pool. Well, swimming pool's a big deal in Florida in the summer because everyone wants to go swimming. So what I did was I divided up the different days for the boys. You know, Ben, you got this day, and Luke, you got this day, and if you want to bring your friends over, Drew, you got this day. Well, I don't know what I was thinking one day, but I don't know. They all asked me, and I acquiesced, and I allowed them to all bring their friends over. So I don't remember. There had to be 12, 13, 14 guys in the pool, ranging from the age 15 to age 6. And they were playing the absolute stupidest game the world has ever known. There is no game on planet Earth that is more stupid than this. Marco! <laughs> Polo! Marco! Po- okay, that is so stupid. Nobody closes their eyes, except for the little six-year-olds, and they're swimming around. The teenagers are running around out. No one's playing the game right, and I'm out mowing my lawn. And I'm seeing this, and the poor little six-year-olds, Drew and his buddies, you know, they're just like, they're, I think I'm a bad. Ben, get in the water with the guys. Hey, 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 Luke, you get your, close your eyes. Come on, play right, guys. Marco, Pomo. Well, they finally stopped that. And then they play the second stupidest game the world has ever known. They start playing chicken. Now, this could work okay. Ben's friends, the 15-year-olds, take the little six-year-olds and put them on their, on their shoulder. No. Ben's friends put themselves on their own shoulders. So you got 15 on 15, you got 12 on 12, and you got little six-year-olds on six-year-olds. Well, my son happens to be the smallest guy. My youngest son, Drew's the smallest guy in the pool. And he's drowning. I mean, they're just, I mean, he's just a little guy and he's on a little guy. And they're just going and they're just, and I'm out there mowing the lawn. Hey, guy, come on, Ben, Ben, come on. You can't be doing that. And they keep doing it. I said, that's it, I'm done with this. I get done mowing. I go in the house, I put my swim trunks on. And I come on out, and I say, I jump in the pool. And I go, hey guys, what you doing? Hey, Pastor, Pastor, you gonna play with us? Yeah, I'm gonna play with you. I said, what you guys doing? We're playing chicken. Wanna play chicken? I said, yeah, Drew, come here. So Drew goes from the weakest person in that pool to the strongest person in that pool, because I'm the strongest person in that pool. No 15-year-old kid, you know. And I, so I get Drew, I said, I said, Drew, hold on. So Drew gets up there, he says, do you want me to do it? No, Dad. All right, I said, no, Drew, just hold on. Okay. 
So he's holding on to me. I said, no, let me get my eyes up here. Okay. Okay. So he's holding on and they start coming at me. I said, now, what do you, what's the object of the game? To, to knock us down. I said, okay, let's see. <laughs> Pastor, Pastor. I said, what? I thought I was going to drown. Yeah, just like my son. Okay. <laughs> so come on over here, guys. Hey, hey. I go, like you were doing to my son. So let me tell you something. Drew didn't have the ability to do well in chicken, but his dad did. And I want to tell you something. You don't have the ability to make it through this life, but your father does. And you know what you need to do? You need to get on the shoulders of his grace And allow God his ability. Let me tell you something about grace. Number one, grace is sufficient. Number two, grace is strong. And number three, grace is specific. Grace is specific. Brother Shirley, you just needed another S word? No, no, no. This is a very important word in understanding grace. It is specific in two areas. It is specific for the task. I've been in ministry a long time. And I've lived a long time. And I will tell you, there is an ability at death, when death comes knocking at a family, that I've seen. I believe it's called dying grace. I've seen people that have gone through terrible, incredibly painful disease and illness. But I've seen God give them a specific kind of grace to handle it. I have been by the bedside of many of young women that have had a miscarriage. And I have seen, oh, sorrow, yes. But I have seen the grace of God help them. I have seen God's grace in specific times and specific tasks that God has given. I want to talk to you for just a real quick moment about a specific grace called saving grace. See, I think I received that when I was 12 years old. And it was the ability, because folks, I would have never, I didn't find God. God found me. Now, I want to share this because this is very important in what we believe here. We do not believe in irresistible grace. No, 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 no. But we do believe that the only way that you can get saved is by the grace of God. So let me explain what I'm talking about. I have been at doors witnessing where I know the Spirit of God was working on the person on the other side of that door. And they said no to the grace that was being given to them. They resisted it. And you can resist God's grace. But you can't get saved without it. In other words, saving grace will reveal to you who Jesus is. Because you will never come to the right conclusion of Jesus on your own. There's a way which seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. you got to have God's grace to reveal to you who Christ is you got to have God's grace to reveal to you that your sin is going to split hell wide open and that you're going to spend an eternity in hell. That's God's grace showing you that. It is God's grace that brings conviction. If you're here this morning and you know not Christ, it is the grace of God that brought you here today. (laughs) My car brought me here and I decided to come. I'm telling you something. God paved the way for you to be here this morning. That was the grace of God in his providence and in his mercy to allow you to be here. Oh, no, 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 no. Jim Shuttler doesn't get saved without his grace. His grace revealed my sin. His grace put conviction in my heart. His grace did everything. Now, I have a free will. And on November 8, 1969, as a 12-year-old boy, I could have said no to God. I could have said, no, I don't want it. I don't want to get saved right now. I'm not ready to get... I could say no to his grace, but I couldn't have got saved without his grace. 
I didn't do nothing to get saved, friend. It's God who did it all. That is called saving grace. And if you're here today and you have never experienced that before, and there is a difference between the grace of God and the goodness of God. Every one of us have experienced the goodness of God. But it is possible you have never experienced his saving grace. And if you're here today, I'm telling you, it's his grace that brought you here. If he's working on your heart right now, that is the grace of God. Don't resist it. Receive what God's trying to give you. Now, that's saving grace. You see, grace is very specific. There's grace that you need to overcome sin. There's grace that you need to deal with your spouse. There's grace that you need as a parent. There's grace that you need at different times. It's very specific in its task. But it's also very specific in its time. I think this is the coolest point of the message. I really do. Did you know that grace has limits? Oh, no. Brother Shell, there's no. We're sin abounded. Grace did much more abound. Yeah, yeah, amen. But do you know grace has limits? I'm going to tell you what they are. Are you ready? There is no grace for yesterday. And there is no grace for tomorrow. God's grace is only for today. Now, let me tell you what people do. People get all anxious. They all get all bent out of shape about things they're worried about tomorrow. But God's grace hasn't arrived yet. And you're struggling about something today But God says, I don't have grace for you about that matter because that hasn't happened yet. This is a very important truth to get about the grace of God. People who live in tomorrow or live in their past live without the grace of God because God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is strong. But God's grace is for now. If you start worrying about tomorrow... You do not have his grace to help you through that worry. Brother Shetler, that was pretty profound. Yeah. Take that one home and chew on that. I'm serious. Grace is specific in its task and in its time. Number two. That was the big point of the day. What is grace? God's grace is sufficient, it's strong, and it's specific. Number two. How do you get God's grace? Okay, mathematicians, here you go. You got to have a formula. I've got the greatest formula in the world. Are you ready? Here's the, there's the formula for your church going forward. The greatest element that is needed at this church is the grace of God. Here's how you get it. Are you ready? Honesty plus helplessness equals humility. And then you get grace. Honesty plus helplessness equals humility, and then you get grace. Help me out. God resisteth the proud, but gives grace to the the humble. You need the grace of God at this church. Stay humble. You need God's grace going forward in your marriage, your family, your finances. Stay humble. Well, how do you stay humble? Yeah, you get honest. You get honest. I travel to different churches every week. I don't know as many, I don't know many people. I've I've had 46 meetings and it's June already. I've been in 46 different churches by June. I travel a lot. And there's something I'm learning. If we're ever going to see revival in our independent Baptist movement, we got to get honest. we got to take the mask off, and let's get honest of where we are spiritually, gang. We come to church, and we got our little ties, and we got our little jackets, and we got our little dresses, and we look so good, and we know what to talk about and what not to talk about. Well, let me tell you something. We're not going to ever do anything for God, and we will not experience the grace of God in our life until we start getting honest. Some of you, your marriages right now, you need God's grace so badly, and yet you're being deceptive to your spouse. You're not being honest with your spouse. 
Some of you, your family so badly, you need the grace of God, and you're lying to your parents. You're living a completely different lifestyle, and you're deceiving your parents. Let's get honest, first of all. You will never get the grace of God until you get honest about who you are and where you are. Let's get transparent. But then number two, you got to get helpless. God, I can't do this. God, I cannot handle this. Hey, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, Pastor. But it's possible that one day you may be called as the under-shepherd of this church. And I'm going to tell you, if that happens... I hope you feel so stinking inadequate. I hope you feel I am so insufficient. I hope you feel so stinking helpless. I can't do this. That'll be the greatest thing that ever happened to him. Because when you're totally helpless and you're totally inadequate and you're totally insufficient, then you're open to get God's grace in your life. Then God can pour it on. God, you know, I can do this. I can do this. You know what? Forget it. And by the way, your pastor has had that spirit over these years, has he not? He's had that spirit of, I need God. It's never been about Mike Mutchler here. It's always been about what God can do here. And that's important, gang. You've got to feel helpless and inadequate. God will never use you. God will never pour his grace on you. Until you get honest, you get help, helplessness, and then will come humility. And when the humility comes, God pours the grace on you. What is God's grace? How do you get God's grace? And number three, Jim, I don't, I don't mean to be disrespectful or anything. I, I just got a question. Why does God give us his grace? I mean, why does he do it? We are so undeserving. And I know it's, it's got to be undeserving for it to be grace. But why does God give mankind grace? Two reasons. Your good and his glory. The reason why he gives us his grace is for your good and for his glory. So, once in a while in our home, I'll be watching football or I'll be in the other room and I'll be doing something. And Marilee will walk in from the kitchen. Jim, what, honey? I'm busy. What you got? I'm, I'm watching something. Jim, I can't open it. Oh, Marilee, what do you got? I got a pickle jar. I can't open it, Jim. Jim, I need somebody strong. Bring it here. Come here. Okay, so you got to know my wife. My wife does everything better than me. But I can open jars and she can't, okay? So it's a big deal, okay? So I said, so what you got there? Jim, I cannot. I've tried every. Give it to me. Here you go. There you go, babe. Oh, Jim, thanks so much. Yeah, 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 go on. You know, I act, you know, like, after she leaves, I go, yeah. <laughs> I can do something that Marilee can't do. Now, listen to me. When we go to God, God I'm in a pickle. <laughs> God, I can't open it. God, I cannot make this happen. I do not have the strength or the ability to make this happen. And you give that to God. I'll tell you what that does. That brings glory to him. When you say, God, we're stepping out on stuff. We're, we're building this new building. We've got the Christian schools growing. Like, God, we can't do this. God, will you do it? You give glory to him and you give good to you. Let me tell you why God gives us his grace. When we receive his grace, that brings glory to him. God, would you open it? Yeah, I'll take care of this for you. God loves to do that. And it's for your good. What is grace? It's sufficient. It's strong. And it's specific. How do you get God's grace, Jim? You get honest. You get helpless. And that brings humility, and that opens up the pipeline. 
Well, why does God give us grace, Jim? For him to get the glory and for you to get the good. Now, I'm going to tell you. If you've never been saved, you've got to humble yourself today and say, God, all the things that I've been trying to do in life ain't working. I need your grace. Would you save me today? You get honest with yourself, you, your position. You get, you get helpless, God, I cannot get to heaven on my own. And you humble yourself and God will save you. But if you're here today and you're saved... There's a good chance you're going through something. By the way, I'm getting older. Old age is, is not for wimps, man. It's, I, I'm going like, wow, this is not easy stuff getting old. And you know what? I need his grace. I need God's grace. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want to ask a few questions. How many this morning would say, honestly... Would you say, Jim, there was a time in my life, I, you know what, I don't remember the date. I noticed that you gave your date. I don't remember the date. And I don't really remember what I prayed. But Jim, I know that I have received the grace of God for salvation. I know that I have trusted Christ as my Savior. If I were to die today, I know I would go to heaven, not because of the life I've lived. No, 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 no. But because of the grace I've received from Christ. I know I'm on my way to heaven. I know if I died because of his grace, I know I would spend eternity in heaven. If that's true of you, could you raise your hand high? And by raising your hand, you're kind of saying, thank you, God. Leave them up for just a minute. Isn't that great, friend? If you got your hand up right now, thank God for the grace of God. Amen? Man, that's great. Thank you. You may put your hands down. Now, if you could not raise your hand, I will not embarrass you But I don't think that would even matter if I did. But I will not. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to come down and get you. But I am going to tell you this. The only way, if you could not raise your hand a moment ago, the only way that you can go to heaven and get your sins taken care of is by the grace of God. And the only way that you get that grace is you finally get honest enough to say, you know what? I am not saved. And I am not going to heaven And I deserve hell. I'm honest. For the wages of sin is death. Separation from God. And Jim, I am a sinner. Way to go. You're honest now. Do you see your helplessness? And I can't do it. It ain't going to be how many times I go to church or give this. I am helpless to get saved. Good, 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 good. Now, would you humbly ask Jesus Christ to save you? I will not call you out. I will not come to you. But I'd love to pray for you. Let me ask you, if you're here this morning and you would say, Jim, I have never received the grace of God for my salvation, but this morning I want to trust Christ and I want to get saved. Would you, would you pray with me about that? Would you lift your hand right now? Is there anyone like that? In the balcony? On the main floor? Is there anyone? Jim? I believe God brought me here today by his grace, and I am ready to get saved. Is there anyone like that this morning at all? Let me ask another question. How many of you believers who have received saving grace have something going on in your life right now? There is is something, whether it's relational, financial, physical, There's something going on in your life right now that you are absolutely helpless and being honest, there ain't no way you can handle this. And you humbly realize today the only, only way that this can be accomplished, done, this happened, the only way that relationship could ever be restored has got to be the grace of God. Jim, I am totally helpless But I'm asking right now in complete humility for a situation in my life, physically, financially, socially, relationally, emotionally, spiritually. I'm asking for God's ability for me to do what I'm supposed to do or to happen in this situation. And I'm asking humbly for God to give me his grace 
in a very specific area that I need his grace in. If that's true, could you raise your hand all over the auditorium? Amen. Amen. Now listen to me. In in the balcony. Now listen to me. That is way over half of the people in this auditorium just raised their hand. In just a moment, we're going to stand. And the piano is going to begin to play. When that happens, I want you to do something. I do. I think a physical response to a spiritual decision like this is important. I want to encourage you like they did the first service. To come down to the altar and say, God, I humbly am asking for grace in this area. I don't deserve it. I have not merited it. But God, I am absolutely helpless And you and I are being honest about this right now. Only by your grace will this ever be taken care of. And I'm asking for that grace. God, will you give me grace in this area right now? And I'm asking by faith that I'll have it. If you just raised your hand, I'm going to encourage you to come on down and humble yourself and say, God, give me that grace. Let's stand to our feet as the piano begins to play. You come right now, all over. God spoke to your heart. Come on down to the altar and say, Dear God, I need that grace. Would you come? Amen. Honesty. Helplessness, humility. Open the grace pipeline in your marriage, your home, your life. Amen. It's good to see mature believers coming down. I love that. Because you know what? It doesn't matter what age you are. You still need His grace. It is great to see some of these older folks coming down, humbling themselves. That is fabulous. Good to see the young people. than welcome to remain right at the altar. I'm going to take a moment for you that are in the pews. Would you join me in a prayer for Grandview for the future and to pray for your pastor and that person that God would have it very possibly it'll be Pastor Justin, whoever. The fact of the matter is it ain't going to matter the man, it's going to matter the grace. Would you join me in a prayer for the future of Grandview as we pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be in this church. And Lord, not because of its buildings, not because of the amount of money they got in a bank, but because of your grace. Thank you for what you've done at Grandview. And Father, going forward, this church has got to have your grace. It isn't going to be how well organized they get or how spiffy this gets or, or, or who comes on staff or who the next pastor is. Father, ultimately, it will be your grace. So I pray for a spirit of humility here, of honesty and helplessness. And that, Father, that you will keep the grace flowing here. Lord, I pray for Pastor and, and Miss Vicki I ask, God, that your grace would be upon them this week. And Lord, continue. Father, I'm thankful for a humble pastor. And Lord, I pray that you would also allow the grace to continue to flow. Father, thank you for the way people listen. And it touched my heart. I hope it did yours as well. I hope you opened up the pipeline today on all these people that came forward. 
And that, God, that your grace will be shed. And then, Lord, I do pray for our country that you would shed your grace upon America. We don't deserve it. That's so obvious. And yet there's nothing our country needs more than the grace of God. God, may we get honest. May we get helpless. And may we get humble as a nation. And I believe your grace would open up again on America. So I pray for that. God, be with us. And Lord, I'm asking something publicly. I pray that you would put on the hearts of folks to be here tonight. Because Lord, I think you gave me another message for this church tonight. And Lord, I pray there will be a good attendance tonight. And that Lord, they'll hear from you, not from Shetler. But they'll hear from you tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the good day. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And let's give Brother Shetler a hand. What a blessing that was. An encouragement to us all. And uh, thank you for doing that. Um, I want to encourage you to come back tonight. Uh, what he said is true. God's given him something. And I promise you, you won't be disappointed. And so I do want to share one thing real quick. We have a decision. Uh, Andrew Park, he's right down here, Andrew. He's standing. Thank you, Andrew. You can be seated. Uh, Andrew Park is part of our uh, Korean uh, program in the school. And he's been asking some questions about salvation, trying to figure it out. And Max, who was our valedictorian, who gave a wonderful, uh, his testimony during the speech a couple weeks ago for graduation, got to lead Andrew to Christ this week. And so let's give Andrew a hand. We're excited for him. And uh, he wanted to make his uh, profession public. And so that's why he came forward today. So we're thankful for that. And uh, let's go ahead and watch the next video. Then we'll be dismissed. And uh, go ahead and play it this time. Good morning and welcome to our service. We hope this morning's sermon from Dr. Jim Shetler was a blessing to you. Join us back here tonight at 5 as we hear another powerful message from Dr. Shetler. Join us next week as we celebrate Father's Day. Every father will receive a dessert on us after the morning service. Families, don't miss out on our Kids Summer Blast program every Wednesday evening at 6.45. We have big activities planned every week like bounce houses and big ball games, as well as plenty of opportunities to help your children grow in their relationship with God. There will be a special teen soul winning marathon on Saturday, June 18th. The marathon begins at 10 a.m. and will conclude at 6 p.m. If you would like your teenager to participate, please see T.J. Gardner for more details. We are looking forward to having guest speaker Bob Hooker, pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee, at Grandview on Wednesday, June 15th. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you, and you will receive a gift card. Have a great afternoon, and we will see you tonight at 5. Okay. Well, please know God loves you, and our pastors love you. I hope you have just a great, great afternoon. Make plans to be here tonight. You are dismissed. Dismissed.